This is Budget Line, a special series for the TripCast. Hi, I'm Ross Ramsey. And I'm Iman Bathija. So we're doing a podcast on the budget. It's the central policy document of the state government. It's just a big pile of numbers until you start scratching at it and you find out that this is where they put all of their priorities and describe how they're going to fund all the various programs in the government. Every session, the budget process starts with something called the biennial revenue estimate, and that's already been announced. In his first act as comptroller, Glenn Hager held a press conference to announce how much money the legislature has to work with. For general purpose spending in 2016-2017, we estimate the available general revenue-related funds will be $113 billion. So $113 billion, is that more than you expected? It's a little higher than people were thinking. When you add in federal funding and some other funds, it he predicted $221 billion. So that's a really, really big number. I guess the question is, is it accurate and does that even matter? Well, we asked former comptroller John Sharp just that. No matter how good a controller you are on all other matters, if you mess up the revenue estimate, you got real problems. So I guess we don't know yet where Hager is on the accuracy scale and won't for some time. Yeah, it'll probably be well over a year before we have a good sense of how right Hager has been. The Comptroller's Office has a very mixed track record when it comes to estimating revenue. Last year, the office studied its revenue estimate history for 40 years. Uh, The best revenue estimates were off by less than 1%. The worst one back in the 1970s was off by 17%. All the worst revenue estimates tend to have one thing in common. There's volatility in the oil market. So we really won't know how accurate Hager is until we know how volatile the oil market is. I guess he said in this one that He's assuming or that his revenue estimators are assuming that the average price over the next couple of years will be somewhere in the 65 to 70 per barrel range. Right. And that's actually a little more optimistic than some analysts uh, in the private market have been saying. So he's not the first one to go through this. Every time there's a big oil boom or bust, Texas kind of has to struggle with how is it going to impact their budget. And back in the 1980s, Billy Hamilton was revenue estimator and remembered uh, what happened when he had to try and predict what was going to happen with oil prices. Mr. Bullock, who was controller then, was very dissatisfied because, you know, I had prices going down or something he didn't particularly like or believe uh, that other people were telling him otherwise. And he said, I want you to meet me uh, at Browning Aviation tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock in You know, I thought, well, you know, the worst that could happen is he's going to drop me out of his plane. Uh, But in in fact, we were going to Houston and we went in to see Dr. John Boatwright, who was the chief economist of Exxon in America. Bullock sat down, crossed his legs and said, Doc, we need to know what oil prices are going to be for the next three years. And uh, Dr. Boatwright looked at him. He looked like an owl. He had, you know, he didn't have any hair and he had these kind of round glasses. He looked at him like an owl for a minute. He walked over to the door. He looked outside both ways, shut the door, came back and sat down and said, Bob, we have no idea. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if I, I, I've said before, is if I could have kissed him, I would have kissed him because basically he was saying the same thing I had been saying. Oil isn't the only thing that can go haywire in a revenue estimate. Here is another former chief revenue estimator, Tamara Plout. The, the revenue estimate is not like one thing. It's a sum of several parts. 
So if just one part is off, doesn't mean the other two parts are out. You know, oil and gas, the uh, high tech, and the uh, U.S. economy. So three-legged stool. So how do you take all those different numbers and create an actual estimate? You start with a national forecast that somebody else creates. It's usually a major economic forecasting firm. But at some level, a lot of what comes down to the, what becomes the revenue estimate uh, comes down to one very nervous person sitting in a cubicle in the OBJ state office building at two in the morning trying to decide, is oil going to be $60 a barrel or is it going to be $70 a barrel? And, you know, what is it going to be out there in three years? Where I'm sure if Dr. Boatwright were here today, he would say, Bob, we have no idea. So the most recently incorrect controller, because they're all ultimately incorrect at some point or another, was Susan Combs, who got blasted for one particular estimate. Part of the difficulty is how far out they have to predict, she said, when we talked to her. We come in in January of an odd-numbered year, and our information doesn't even start until September. That is eight months hence. Then you add on 24 months, you're trying to project a 32-month look. I said, I think it is extraordinarily difficult to do, which is why you end up trying to be very careful, very conservative, very cautious. It's, I think 32 months is too long. Uh, I think there's something like five states that do it, and none, of course, of our size. Um, But uh, you do the best you can. The fact that Texas is almost alone in how far it has to forecast its revenue is something I talked with Tamara Plout about. How many economists predicted the financial downturn in 2008 and 2009? Maybe one, two. Everyone else thought he was crazy. You know, And I was reading everything every single day to try to get a sense of where it was. Right. And certainly we missed it. But I will tell you, virtually everybody else in the world missed the severity of this thing, which is why it's the Great Recession. Right. And I think what we all missed, really, was how interconnected everybody's economies were. That contagion, that global contagion, chilled a lot of economic activity everywhere. So that was Susan Combs with the macroeconomic view. Billy Hamilton said there was also a microeconomic view. Now you show it to the controller, and you know, with Mr. Bullock, uh, you know, I've I've shown him estimates, and uh, you know, he'll say, well, you know, I t- and, and this is literally true, and, and people don't believe it, but he'd say, well, you know, I was talking to Melba at Melba's Boutique, which is a place over in West Austin, and she was saying retail sales really look bad. <laughs> so I think we might, we might want to clip that estimate a little. And I don't know if he was just doing that to have something to say or was just giving me a hard time, but, I mean, you know, he did say that. You know, if, it, if things were starting to look bad in West Austin, you know, we needed to be prepared for <laughs> So you have comptrollers and revenue estimators looking at the national scene. They're looking at what local businesses are going through. And then you have people in the Capitol trying to tell them what to do. I guess the legend at the Capitol is always that, oh, this is all political. You know, they don't really look at the numbers behind the thing. And they're constantly saying this controller or that controller did it because of this or that political thing. And depending on what that specific lawmaker wants to happen in the session, he's hoping for a really high estimate or a really low one. So here's John Sharp again. And sure, it's, we have we have 
and elected officials came to us and said, boy, I hope you're not stingy with the revenue estimate and stuff like that. But the pressure to be accurate is much greater than any pressure that they can exert because, as you saw, you know, when this comb was uh, revenue, you know, you know, was controlled or when you blow a revenue estimate that bad, your whole reputation rides on it. And so nothing, it's just nothing becomes, nothing is more important than that. And so you become immune to any pressure that would try to get you to resort distort the revenue estimate either to the high side or the low side. It's just too important to your reputation to be accurate. Susan Combs had a particularly tough time with a bad revenue estimate. In 2011, her estimate of the 2012-13 biennium was off by $11.3 billion and had a big impact on what lawmakers did in the following session. And while both the head of the House Appropriations Committee and the head of the Senate Finance Committee at the time said that they might have spent more had she come in with a higher number, she said that they actually had enough money to spend all the money that they wanted to and that they're the ones who blew it. Our job was to give an estimate. We then turned this over to them. It is their job to allocate the resources. Right. When they later said, well, gosh, um, had we had a better estimate, we could have spent more on education. My response was, you had billions sitting in the rainy day fund. You could have done something. That's not the comptroller's office job. So Glenn Hager is now the next guy with this job, and you can understand after all of that why he might be having a little bit of a hard time sleeping at night. That's right, but he seemed to make a point of not sounding too unsure at his press conference last month. I stand here very confident, based on all the information that we have, this is an accurate revenue estimate. If anything changes, we're going to let, make sure that leadership, legislative, governor's office, the press, and the people of Texas know that the economy either changes for the better, for the worst, or stays the same. So that's the starting point, the biennial revenue estimate. As they write the budget during this session and as the session rolls along, we'll continue with more of these explainers. And if you have ideas about where we should go, send us a note at budgetline at texastribune.org. 